Welcome to another episode of What the Shuck. I'm Muddy River Sports Editor Matt Shuckman. And joining me once again, thankfully, the sports czar of KHQA, the bald wonder, Christopher Dewar. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. And with an introduction <laughs> like that, man, I should be paying you money. We can come up with plenty of introductions for you. <laughs> Uh, and I, I'm sure some would be flattering. Uh, a few probably deservedly not so. I, I'm sure there's a few uh, listeners, viewers out there who could probably come up with some different <laughs> things. <laughs> oh, I guarantee it. that. <laughs> okay, biggest question of the day. Okay. And I know the I know the answer. I'm pretty sure I know the answer. Okay. Burnt ends, yes or no? Yes. Oh, God, yes. Um, and I was interested because I saw on Twitter people were trashing Texas barbecue and extolling the virtues of Kansas City barbecue. And it's like I found my people. And not that I have anything wrong with brisket done in Texas. Someday I'll make that trip. Uh, but I just never thought anything was as good as Kansas City barbecue. And what is more iconically Kansas City than Burnett? Oh, so, uh, best ones I've had were at LC's. Also, the worst ones I've had were at LC's in Kansas City, which is kind of the whole LC's experience in a nutshell. The uh, the burnt end sandwich at Gates. Oh yeah, it, it, is yes. is my go to no matter where I go. Um, but the reason I bring this up is I posted on Twitter the other night. Um, if you don't like burn ends, you can't be, we can't be friends because I had some of the most delectable burnt ends right here in town last week. Oh, excellent. From Fatbacks. Well, they, they do a phenomenal job and, and I have not had one meal at Fatbacks that I haven't enjoyed, but they were, they were dying no mite. Um, but again, when it comes to barbecue, pretty much all of it's dynamite in my mind. It really is. But yes, there are very, very distinct barbecue fashion or factions in this world. And uh, I tend to side with the Kansas city folks. And, I do and, too. And they, they've done a wonderful job and every trip is a joy over there because it's always yes. a food trip. No question about it. Um, all these years of traveling to Colorado with my wife, we strategically plan it to stop in Kansas city for barbecue as well. You should, it's a Mecca. So, okay. So obviously we're both fans of Kansas city style barbecue. We are. You've been to Memphis. I have not personally been to Memphis. Okay. My wife has been to the Rendezvous and said it was very good. So, obviously, there are distinct different styles. If it was Chris Dewar's style, do you, are you a sauce guy, a non-sauce guy? What? Wh where would your lane be when it comes to barbecue? I enjoy my barbecue dry. I, I, I Maybe occasionally, if your sauce is wonderful, I'll put a little bit on the side. Okay. But I like to taste the meat. Uh, whatever that meat is. And, you know, I'm, I'm good with turkey. I'm good with, um, you know, whatever you're going to smoke, I'm generally good with. So brisket, turkey, I have no, no, no qualms about any of it. Um, do, you have, do you have a favorite it. meat? Um, you know, I, it's, uh, it's almost what you're in the mood for. Like, I, I tend to skew towards burnt ends when I go and okay. order. Um, just because I think that's such a neat and different experience. And I'm one of these guys that kind of limits the sides. And I know the sides are part of the experience. Right. But I'm there for the meat. So basically, I, I'm with yeah. You. Yes. I mean, that's kind of the approach when I go. But you also, and as many conversations as we've had about barbecue over the years, you're also a guy that likes some of the uh, accoutrements that come with it, the pickled onions and things that maybe push the boundaries of barbecue a little bit. Um, well, that would only be when I'm at Sugar Fire. That's, which, and yes. that's where I was kind of referencing. Sugar Fire, see, and, and the difference with Sugar Fire is 
you know, Sugar Fire won an award for the very best sandwich on the planet with their Cuban Reuben. Right. Which I actually tried and went, oh, it's okay. Okay. But they do a lot of inventive things with right. their barbecue, trying to be different, and they do it cleverly. And to me, that's sort of the experience. It's the difference. You can order a steak anywhere. Yeah. Um, but if you go someplace that's famous for Steak Diane, you get the Steak Diane with the crab on top. Right. <laughs> no question. Because they're famous for yes. it. Which is kind of what Sugar Fire's signature is, is, hey, we're doing a fusion type of barbecue. Yeah. So I go into it with a different approach than I would go to Kansas City and go to LC's or Q39 or, um, you know, all of the different places that we venture to there, Gates, um, Arthur Bryant, all those places. Yeah, absolutely. So now do you do your own barbecue? I don't. Um, Actually, I don't because I just, I don't have a smoker. So I've never really dabbled in that. I do a lot of cooking. None of it ever barbecue. Okay. Do you grill? Uh, Angie does all the grilling, believe it or not. She loves it. And my father-in-law happens to be one of the best grill masters on the planet. So Uh, uh, I'm not allowed near the barbecue because Angie has such a high standard with it. Well, I have found over the years, myself, I love to grill. Okay. Um, And probably my favorite thing to grill is venison. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. And Michelle, very much so, will eat it. She doesn't cringe or if i make venison chili or something she didn't appear is there deer in there <laughs> yeah yes there is that's why it's called venison <laughs> I, I think everybody has their own thing so um yeah i mean like i said my, my wife is really good with the grill she loves to do it and i'm not allowed near it so i i take orders well matt chuckman well and you better yeah indeed i should <laughs> well we're in the middle of grilling barbecue season as as the weather starts to get nicer hopefully eventually it gets nice around here we've had days here or there where it's been nice but hopefully we're seeing more of that coming but that also means we're outdoors more what have you enjoyed so far about the outdoor spring sports season i think a lot actually but as you touched on i think the very salient point here is i've talked to a lot of different people Doug Elledge, who's been officiating for, what, 31 years? Um, They have all said to a man that this is the worst weather for spring we've ever seen. And those are folks that predate me here. I've only been here since 95, but I tend to agree. So initially, it was fighting through to get to see things. Now that we've had a couple of good days where we've had a chance to kind of branch out and see some different things, I like the fact that we have a really good high level of baseball and softball high school-wise in this area. No question. I love the fact that you and I touched on it earlier, that we're starting to get some of those other track and field stories to come up beyond just the obvious. I mean, you were out there yesterday at the Quincy High Invitational. I went to Brookfield last week as well and got a chance to see uh, some of the great Northeast Missouri runners beyond just the Highland and, and Monroe City powerhouses. Right. And there's some really neat storylines brewing. Like, you know, Jennifer Hinkle from Knox County has the seventh longest javelin throw in the country right now among all girls of all classes, which is just incredible. You've that got Hayden awesome. Long throwing the javelin incredibly well at Scotland County right now. So there's a lot of neat that I think Kendra King's an emerging talent yes. in the shot and discus at Palmyra. So a lot of neat storylines that are starting to brew that I think are going to be storylines for us, not just now, but into state. And you got to yes. love that momentum, Matt. Well, and I, and I think talking with Jared Schmidt of Liberty yesterday about some of his athletes uh, and the record pursuits they're on. Shannon O'Neill set a record in the 400 yesterday. Uh, Cannon Wolf is chasing a, the mile and the two-mile records, and he's on the verge. And you got to think he's going to get as close as he is right now with a couple more weeks, hopefully a better weather and some more training. He's going to be on that cusp of breaking those records. Um, and he was funny about it, talking about it yesterday. You know, he wants to erase the Oberts. 
I'm like, well, you're never going to erase the Oberts from Liberty lore. But uh, he's putting himself in that category. Um, and a kid now that has committed to Indiana State to run, um, huge for him and, and, and great for that Liberty program. But, but across the board, uh, we saw some, some really outstanding efforts from the Quincy High kids last night. Indeed. Um, and then you look, at, you look at the small schools in the area, the ones that were there yesterday, you know, the Unities, the Centrals. Ezra Thompson is just a freak when it comes to, to the long jump and the triple jump. And he's become something of a of a kid whose confidence has grown. Yes. And I, I got to watch that firsthand much earlier in the spring when he was high jumping, which is, isn't his best event. Right. But something that I think being next to Sterling Stotts, who has been a transformational piece for that track and field program, yep. if you watch them in the 4 by 2 Sterling in that third leg is ridiculous <laughs> and just insanely fast. Um, and also high jump 6-3 for the first time yesterday. But I think being around those guys... I think a lot of it is the Brad Dixon positivity. They feed yeah. each other very well at Camp Point Central, whether it's football, weight room, um, you know, augmenting the classroom work outside of athletics. Yep. Uh, there's a culture there that goes beyond just football or track and field. It's Brad Dixonism. Well, and, and I think what people maybe don't realize when we talk about Central athletes uh, and the athletic program, and, and specifically in the in the Brad Dixon realm is there's not a lot of, okay, you got to get up at 5 a.m. and get to the weight room before school, or you got to stay after practice at 5 o'clock to go another hour in the weight room. They incorporated into their physical education class to where so kids are lifting as part of their classwork to take away some of that so that they have some time for some freedom to, to be kids. And I think it all plays hand-in-hand. Hand. They're getting the work done. They're getting stronger, faster, and all those things but they're also being allowed to have that, that freedom of being a kid and not have to worry about 24-7 being locked in on this. Well, it's a different way to do things. And as somebody who was a self-made athlete who fell in love with the weight room and that was the reason I was able to play football at a pretty high level right. in high school, um, you know, weight room work is fun. If you find somebody who shares your enthusiasm for it, like Brad Dixon does, I, I think the speed work, the way that they do it, and the fact that Brad's taken the approach to, hey, let's shorten down practice and let's just get the essentials in and stop making it drudgery, I think that's the new world we live in. And it's something that I think he's rethought the, um, you know, the mousetrap and built it better than everybody else. Now, yesterday was interesting for me. I mean, we've we've talked so much and heard so much about certain Quincy High School athletes. Right. Jet Rose, for, for good reason, one of the best sprinters in school history, one of the best sprinters in the state. Anna Shearing and her, her distance work, Alexandria Myers and her distance work and all that. The one who I was captivated by yesterday was Reed Savage. He is a very, very technically proficient hurdler, which is incredible to see. I mean, and, you know... He doesn't clear that hurdle by much because he doesn't have to because right. it's a repeated, um, you know, it's a repeated technical action for him, which is phenomenal to see. I, I think he's a really good storyline. I'm also fascinated by the potential of Lamario Rogers throwing. Yeah. Uh, yesterday he had a new PR in the discus, which isn't his stronger event. Correct. Um, and and struggled a little bit in the shot, but I think when you're you're a dual thrower, some days you have those days. Yep. I think he's a kid who has a great deal of potential, and he's just starting to tap into that as well. So there are storylines there that I know we all go gaga over the ten seven that Jet Rose runs in the 100. Right. But 
but there are a lot of really good storylines brewing at Quincy High School beyond just that. And yes, Reed Savage is a really good one in that group. When I was talking to Reed yesterday and I mentioned, I said, dude, you are so smooth going over the hurdles. And he looked at me with this like big smile, like, and it was just like, thanks. He goes, that's really cool that, that somebody noticed that and thought that because, you know, he does put in the effort. He works at it. And if you watched him warm up yesterday and all the time and preparation he put into before his race, you understand why he's so smooth. So I'm going to say this to you because you know I love the kid. Robert Gale is a very good hurdler. Yes. It is not fun to watch Robert Gale hurdle <laughs> because it's not technical or precise. And I got a chance to watch him. Because he's all power. He's That's it. He's not built the same way that a Reed Savage is. He's right. super fast and he's really good at it. Yes. It's not pretty to watch. Much as it's not pretty to watch Robert Gale run over people, but that's what he does <laughs> on a football field. So I got a chance to kind of watch him against a kid. There's a kid at Green City, this Bugs Tip kid who's just insane and he's kind of a legend now in northeast missouri and to watch the difference in those two styles you know i'm reminded of that when you talk about reed because it is such an art and it's a repeatable art and if you can right. keep in that flow that's what makes a really good hurdler we've talked a lot about track but there's another storyline brewing uh, in the spring sports realm in brown county We've got a baseball and a softball team that are incredible, have incredible records, keep finding ways to win. What is it about Brown County that has made them diamond darlings? Uh, a couple of things, first of all. I think it's this group of kids yeah. who are very, very charismatic and high energy. And, man, you can't be around that softball team without loving those kids. I mean, all of them. And, you know, I, I love getting walked over to and getting yelled at by Carson Mormon because I missed her home run. Yeah. And she does that with repeat. <laughs> and, you know, um, so that's kind of become the thing. Um, they're a really good softball team just because there's so many hitters in that lineup yes. up and down. And I think that's also reflective of the fact that, um, you know, they're having fun. I mean, yeah. there's a palpable sense of fun, whether it's, you know, Courtney Law, you know, the, the Flynn twins, whoever it is, you can tell they're having fun together and they're having fun doing it. And, you know, they're going out every night and trying to put 15 on the board on people and they're accomplishing And they're doing that. it. That's the thing. They, they don't, they, I mean... They just batter the ball. They do. And baseball's a little different because I think a lot of it is pitching born. Yes. You know, with Gabe Blakely and Mason Henry as two, you know, aces. You know, you have two legitimate aces on that staff. Right. I don't know what happens beyond those two guys. Um, they've got some pitchers. I don't know that the same level. But um, so much of what they do is generated on the fact that you can go out twice a week and know you've got a really good chance to win. And then you can hit a little more freely. And in the in the postseason – you got to have two. You do. You got you got to have a third because if you get into a certain circumstance where you're going to need but but if you got two top line starters in the postseason, you can make a deep run and be in good shape. Which is what makes Pittsfield so interesting to me all yes. of a sudden with Brennan Tomhave starting to elevate into that level very very quickly. Yeah. Um, he's a kid who's starting, and, 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 and if you watch Pittsfield versus Q&D, you know how good Connor Allen is. Yeah, no question. I mean, he is, he is lights out. But to have Brendan Tomhave now to be able to do that with a lineup that's really good and might have the best young catcher in the area, and Luke Sachs, who is, who is going to be gangbusters when this is all said and done. Correct. Um, that's a really interesting lineup, and Jarrett Hines and Colin Bigley have done such a wonderful job with that group of kids, you know, succeeding a Hall of Famer and a legend <laughs> in Johnny Schultz. I've been very impressed with Pittsfield. I have too, and, and unfortunately for Pittsfield and maybe a lot of teams in this area, in Class 2A, they're going to have to try to get past Quincy Notre Dame. 
But if you have Connor Allen and you know what you can do, you know you probably right. should have won that game. Yeah. You could have won that game. So I think there has to be some confidence in that, at so least too. from Pittsfield, because you know you can compete. But Notre Dame's rolling. They are, and they are fun. And they are. They they. There's no kid I like watching hit the ball right now more than Dalton Miller. He, he is so torquey and strong just naturally. Yeah. But my argument is, as good as the top of that lineup has been, it's that oh, six yes. nine that has been so impressive time and time again for those guys. Where did Jacob Schistler come from, and why has he been so good <laughs> at putting the ball in play? And it's like his confidence. He could be a one-hitter or a two-hitter just about anywhere else in the area. Well, and then you got Jack Lindenfelser, yes. who continually comes up big. Brady Kindhart. Uh, has power and, and can and drive the ball. And he, where he's at. Exactly. And then at the number nine hole, Michael Stepaski just does a great job of getting it back to the top of the order. He does. And and when you can go to Dalton Miller to close out games, yep. that is a huge luxury for a team that has 10 pretty good pitchers anyway. Yeah. They're just loaded with arms. They just got such a depth of arms. Which which kind of contrasts them with Beardstown a little bit. Yes. Because Beardstown is more top-heavy in the lineup. Right. And Beardstown is, you're going to get Jacob Pate, and they've proven two years in a row, Q&D has, that they can hit Jacob Pate. Yep. So it's going to be interesting. 10th and Jackson's got a lot of good things brewing right now. Not only baseball, softball's 14-4, and four, um, soccer's 10-1-3. and three. They're looking like they're a team that can make a run in Class 1A. Um it's going to be an interesting May at 10th and Jackson. Do we find out how good soccer is this weekend with yes. the Burlington tournament? Yes, because they play IC Catholic, uh, which is ranked number one of the, the Chicago land polls is ranked number two in the state uh, among the small schools. So we're going to find out, Are they is Notre Dame good enough to make a run to state like last year and get fourth? Or are they good enough to make a run and then potentially play for a title? Here's the thing with Q&D, um, and, and so much of it we, we concentrate on goal scoring and, you know, Leah Quintero, this, that, and the other thing. They have the best sweeper back in the state, in my opinion, no question. Dickerman, and she's been hurt, and it's looked different in the back. She's back healthy. Um, she, missed, she missed all three games, I believe, in the Columbia tournament last weekend with an illness. Um, she was back the other day against Burlington. It wasn't much of a contest. I mean, Burlington came in 7-0. and and had allowed six goals all season and got beat 8-1. So that tells you the level of competition there. Uh, but but Eva Dickerman, there's been a lot of really good sweepers there have come been. through that program. She's high on that list. I, I would say so. And she she does set a tone, yeah. which I think if you're the sweeper back, you got to be physical, you got to be unafraid, and she brings those things. And the ability to run down people, which I think <laughs> gets lost a little bit in the fact that she's faster than she looks. No question. Yeah. So that's a really that's a really interesting weekend storyline that's developing there with QD. And and the same for Quincy High, because they're going up there they, and they've kind of run rough shot through the Western Big Six. They have. They've got a depth of talent uh, and they're still pretty young. I mean, they only have one senior. Um but now you're starting to see is this a team because of its ability to to share the ball and, and connect? Is this a team that could challenge in Edwardsville or or you know, a, a granite city. I don't, I don't even know who the best team is down in the Metro East area right now, but are they a team that could challenge for a regional title this year? Travis Dinkeller has done a very good job cultivating depth there. And yep. I will give Ron Bridal a ton of credit because Taylor Foey has been very, very good at the back. Very good. And when you got a, kids like Bree Lannard who know how to put the, the ball in the net and, and know how to make plays, and you got an edge with Ryan Moore. 
You do. And, and and she plays with a with an edge. She's she's tough. She's physical. She makes plays. Their midfield's really good. It is, and it's really tough and gritty, which yeah. I, I like. And that you you're right. I mean, they're starting to figure out goal creation, which I think has been an issue the last couple of years. Travis has talked to you and I about it. Yep. If we could just score goals, we'd be a very good soccer no team. No question. And they're getting there very fast. On the collegiate level, um, bi- potentially big news this weekend as we watch the NFL draft unfold because there's a chance Andrew Ripsich gets his name called. For the first time since 1946 for a Culver Stockton Wildcat, and I had a chance to go to the spring game and sit down with Roop just a little bit right, and, and talk about, okay, so you get injured for the first time in your career at the Combine, yeah, which is a shame. But I think he thinks he did enough at the All-American Bowl, mm-hmm. proving that he can move from tackle to guard, yep, um, holding his own against guys from much more storied programs than Culver. I think he thinks there's a real chance and a real possibility on Saturday. He projects anywhere from the fifth round to undrafted. Um, His story is a good one. And sometimes, I think sometimes that plays in as well. Um, Just the fact that there are people out there that will will like the PR angle of it. They love the way he looks. He certainly looks the part, Matt. Well, if you've got... Say three offensive line. It, it's sixth, seventh round, and right. you've got you're going to choose an offensive lineman, and you've got three or four guys on your draft board who are all very similar, and you can't go really wrong with any of them. And then you start looking at those background stories and the personality and those yeah. type of things. He's going to win anybody over with his personality. Uh, he's so good in an interview, and so good with people, and particularly great with kids. Yes. And, and that's the thing, you know, That's that makes him a very easy person to root for because the whole thing is there with Roop. I mean, it just is. It the is. whole total package and whole total personhood. And it's like, you know, it's like winning the Powerball. He showed up at Culver Stockton trying to turn a 1-10 team around, yeah. not trying to go to the NFL. And because the genetics worked and because he got so good at what he does, here we are. Well, and I, and I think you mentioned getting hurt at the combine. You mentioned all the, the pro day stuff and, and, and how that all plays out. But the fact of the matter is, darn near every NFL team came to Canton, Missouri this past season and spent time with Rube, spent time at practice, spent time with Coach Sally. Getting to know Roop, that's, to me, that's going to elevate him in certain people's eyes because they saw firsthand. It wasn't a one-day setting. It wasn't a pro day. And how many times can you rep 225 pounds and those sorts of things? They got to see him practice. They got to see him on a daily basis because they invested that time. That's going to help him. It, it is. And and you talk about the Bill Belichick model where you're looking at the person and then figuring out the fit. You know, those type of folks are going to fall in love with him. The IQ, the charisma, the fact that he's so down to earth with all that's happened to him. I mean, you know, if I had won a Peisman trophy, I'd probably had shirts printed up with me throwing the ball on the back end of it. So God bless that young man because he is he is just a treat. And we talked about it this week. Could you ask for a better ambassador to that institution oh, to go Lord, out into the no. world than Andrew Rupsich? It would it, Culver Stockton is gonna benefit from this immensely no matter what happens this weekend because one of your alums is going to be in an NFL training camp one of your alums is going to be talked about 
and he's going to put on a great face. He is, and and that's the good news out of Culver this week. The bad news was, you know, we're losing Connor Perrin, who has been yeah. another one of those guys, face of the franchise guys, right? charismatic guy, went through a lot with the loss of his father, probably one of my favorite people to just sit down and talk with because he always had a kind word, always True. would come up even on the so- sidelines. And I know he's going to pursue other interests, which is great to see, but he's going to be missed on the Hill because he, he was is. a source of light and energy. Over he there. is, but Tom Sally's done a great job. Him and his staff have done a great Great job of building a program over there, and they're going to be able to reload. They're loaded just about everywhere. I talked to Tom, and he kind of candidly said, okay, we lost the best crew of linebackers we probably will ever have. But everything else here, including the best secondary they've had since he's been there, is in place, and it looks like it's going to be fun next fall. I don't know how closely you have followed minor league baseball and the products from around here that that are playing right now, but Graham Spraker's inching closer to getting that call up to the Blue Jays. Now, who knows what's going to happen with the Blue Jays' bullpen if anybody gets hurt or anything. Three straight scoreless outings. He is He's striking guys out at a high rate. We could see a Quincy University player in the majors for the first time since since Josh, Josh Kinney. Yeah, or Josh but, Kinney, you're right. Yeah, K- Kinney lasted longer yeah, than Ravy. Right. You so. are correct, yes. Um, wrong Josh on my end, but yes. Well, um, both, both were up at the same, around the uh, same time. Yes. Kenny just lasted a little longer. Let's And let's look at that. That's not the only storyline brewing for QU either with Riley Martin and as effective as he's been. And about I, 17 strikeouts in last week alone. We're used to that. But here, I'll ask you the question as the guy who sat where I sat behind the plate. What makes him so hard to hit, Matt? Well, currently right now, it's because he's, he's gotten a cutter. He's worked at his craft. Um, a lot of it is deception. It's the way he throws. He, you know, it's hard to pick up his ball coming out of the hand, and, and that helped him at the college level. It's helping him at the minor league level, but he has to have better stuff at the minor league level. His velocity is up. He's been popping 94, 95 at times, uh, consistently 92, 93. You do that, you know, and, and with the cutter he's, he's worked on and the slider, he's got – He's got a huge upside right now. I I was going to make that same point because we had this conversation yesterday with a couple of high school coaches about Jack Logan, who's been very successful at Louisiana, and how it is when your release point is a little unorthodox, how hard it is for even good hitters to get on that ball. And and I had uh, a scout within the, the Chicago Cubs organization ask me, some questions about Riley, and that was one of the things they said is his his deception, but the fact that he's throwing pitches now that are hard to hit. The cutter, the slider, it's not just fastball, and, and, and that's huge. It's been a good week in the city of Quincy for college coaches. I mean, Brad Hoyt probably had the best Thursday of his life. You know, and it, it, it's funny. A lot of people saw the, the things that popped on social media, but to see three local talents end up at John Wood – um, commit to play basketball there um, is huge. And I think, and I've said this all along, Brighton Klingo is a, a great get for them. Joshua Talton is a great get for them. The gem, in my opinion, and, I, and I've said this since day one of basketball season, is whoever got Logan Robbins better be ready for him to explode because I just think the kid's got so much ability. He is a wing that can contest at the rim, which is really hard to find at most levels. At the junior, Division II junior college level, that's yeah. going to be a gem. You're right. But I, I look at this the whole way, Matt, is, okay, we've seen a lot of great recruiting classes come in. We've seen a lot of great recruits yep. land at, at John Wood over the years. 
you know, I don't know that we've ever seen one that is this defensively ready from day number one. When right. you're talking about Joshua Talton and Logan Robbins walking in the door, you and I were there. We loved Corey Miller. We thought Corey Miller was going to be a star, but the running joke, even in the press conference, was, ha, 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 Corey, you got to learn to defend at this level. Yeah. Nobody is going to laugh at no. Joshua Talton's defense, and nobody is going to laugh at Logan Robbins' defensive potential. And you have to remember, Corey Miller was a first-team All-American who struggled his first semester as a freshman. And then start and then picked it up once they got into late January and February. I think these guys are ready to come in and defend at a high level, but you also got to remember they have an adjustment too to, they, to, they to the college level. But I think again, just like Corey Miller, just like we've seen with several kids who have played at John Wood from the area, come January, come February. They're going to be standouts. Uh, and there's a fight to those kids. Yes. I mean, we saw it with Joshua Tolton, no matter who he played. Yeah. He does not back down, whether it's oh. Luke Northweather or, you know, the, the kids from Tolton over the years. Right. He just loves to fight. And, and that's the thing that I think is going to endear him very quickly. And he may not be the only Tolton that ends up at John Wood. There, there's some inertia that Josiah might end up there as well, who would be a nice addition as well. And, and I know Brad Hoyt's got kids coming in this weekend to visit. And if, if some of those work out... Uh, beyond our area it could be a really special recruiting class they gotta find a point guard and a pivot and they if do. they get those two things they're in really good shape moving forward well we'll see what happens as that unfolds but we got a lot to do this this weekend and this in the coming weeks because we're starting to get near postseason we are, and I think Friday night's track meet down at Hannibal yep. is going to be one of the spotlight events of this entire spring. you got a 200-meter with the aforementioned Jettison Rose, uh, some kid named Aeneas Williams, yeah. who I'm told is sort of athletic. Pretty, and, you know, I and think. And you've got Drew Mallet. So, right. I mean, you've got some dudes. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, be safe on the road. I know you're going to be traveling here, there, and everywhere as always. And I appreciate you taking the time to come in and join us. It is always a pleasure and a delight to see your smiling face, Matthew Shuckman. That is Chris Dewar. I'm Matt Shuckman. This has been What the Shuck. Join us next time.